Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. This message is titled, Shine the Light of Truth, and was given on September 10th, 2023, as a part of our series called Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. It's taught by Pastor Kevin Ewell out of Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 25. Here's Kevin. So we're going to continue to look at the Gospel of Luke today. If you haven't already, we're in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at verses 16 through uh, 25. And so as you turn there, let me just kind of set it up this way. If you were here last week, you remember Bob talked a lot about the four different seeds that get scattered and they fall on different soil. One gets picked up by the birds because it fell on really a hard, calloused heart, unable to hear the word of God. Another fell on soil where they heard the word and it sprung up real quick, but didn't have deep roots. And so it got burned up when life got hard. Another one fell in the weeds and it grew up received, heard the word. But when the world came and it got distracted, it got choked out by the weeds. And then obviously that fourth one fell on the good soil and it grew up and it produced fruit. Jesus is going to continue really that example today as he's continuing to describe to the disciples what it is he wants for them. And so let me set it up for you this way. Uh, I had the opportunity uh, back in July to go back and, and teach at the church that I had just come from, Scottsdale Bible Church. They invited me back. It was great. I hadn't been there in about eight months. So I got up and I, I preached during their, their summer series. And afterwards, man, just encouraged. People were encouraged. They were welcoming to me. But I had a few people, I'll call them friends for the sake of the fact that we're in the house of God today. I'd use another word if we weren't, who came up to me and said, hey, good to see you. Glad you're back. Man, you have put on some weight since you've been gone. Thanks, friend. Well, you hear this two or three times, and you start to look and go, maybe they're right. So then I went back and I tried to figure out, man, what is going on? What has happened in this place? And then I looked at my calendar. And about two to three appointments every week from the time I got here until even this week, I've had a chance to interact with a lot of you. I'm trying to get to know as many of you as possible. Let's get together. And no one ever says, hey, let's get together. I'll meet you at the gym. (laughs) Hey, let's get together. Let's grab breakfast. Okay, that sounds great. Driving to breakfast, egg white omelet, sliced tomatoes, egg white omelet, sliced tomatoes. I roll in, sit down, ready to go. Egg white omelet, sliced tomatoes. Waitress walks up, delivers a stack of pancakes as tall as a toddler and bacon and syrup at the table right next to me. And then she turns to me and goes, sir, what would you like? I want that. I'm going to go easy for lunch. Then lunch rolls around. And whoever put pictures in menus, curse you. Because that grilled salad, grilled chicken salad, sure doesn't look as good as a Reuben with French fries and onion ring combo platter. And so I make another poor decision. You see, the the reality is for me, I can hear it. Hey, you're you're getting bigger, okay. I can know what I need to do. I need to make wiser choices when it comes to the food that I eat and the amount of which I eat. But hearing and knowing are very, they're the first two steps. But none of it's going to have any impact unless you actually do something about it. You got to hear it. Then you got to know what it is you need to do with what you've just heard. But then you got to take that next most difficult step often. That is to put it into practice and to do something with it. That's where Jesus is going to take us today as he looks at his disciples. And he begins to continue to unpack this whole parable of the sower and the seeds. 
And so my only question for us here today, it's been the question I've been wrestling with, the same one I will cast out to you. Again, just between you and the Lord. You don't have to share this with anybody else. This is just between you and the Lord. If there is anything in your life, if you could just be honest for a moment in this place and say, all right, God, would you search me? Would you know me? Would you reveal anything in my life that, God, if I'm honest, I know what it is you're calling me to do. But where I lack right now is the, the, the conviction, the discipline, the effort, maybe even just the will to actually do it. And so right now in this place, I just want to submit that to the Lord. Just you and God, as I get ready to pray for us, would you maybe have your own time with the Lord and say, God, if there is anything in me, if there's anything that we know that we ought to do, could today be the day that we go, God, here it is. I lay it at your feet. Would you help me live in all the things that you've called me to do? To not just hear truth and to know truth, but to actually live and walk in truth and to do it. I think that's where Jesus is going to take us today. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our time in the Word. God, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for this book. I thank you for this truth. God, I thank you for the opportunity to study and read your Word. And God, in a, in a day where, where opinions are so loud and so prominent, God, I thank you that there is a place that we can turn not for what other people think or what opinions are out there, but God, this is your truth, your truth about your creation and about us as your sons and your daughters. And so I pray this morning that you continue to speak through your word, God, that your Holy Spirit would convict hearts. And God, even right now for myself and for everyone in this room that knows you as our Lord and Savior, God, if there is anything that you are calling us to adjust, to change, to surrender, to give over to you, so that you can do your best work in us. I pray that we would have the courage to do that. God, do not let us leave the same way we came in, but let us look a little bit more like your son Jesus as a result of what you're gonna teach us through your word. So God, we thank you in advance for whatever you choose to do. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me go back and, and kind of explain to you why we are where we are and what these first two sections we're going to look at today, how they all tie into where Jesus has been going. Again, I told you, he just shared this, this parable story, this man throwing seed, and some of it falls on hard soil, and the birds scoop it up. Some of it is heard, and it's received with joy, and it springs up real quick, but it has no deep root, and so it dies out when the world's pressures get too hot. Others grow up amongst the weeds and they, they hear it, they receive it, and they grow up, but they get choked out and distracted by the world around us. These are all the things Bob walked us through last week. And then there's that good soil where it is received and is heard, and you're going to hear some descriptions given around it today, this idea of holding fast to the word of God, and then it begins to produce fruit. And so it's all under that umbrella where this conversation continues to go. Let me take you back uh, to chapter 8, verse 8. Jesus has just gone done teaching them the crowd, the masses, this parable. And then he says this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Strange statement after just telling a story. Let's see what else he's going to say. Verse 10, the disciples ask him, hey, what's with the parable? What does that mean? Verse 10, to you disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. Why? So that they, seeing, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. What's Jesus talking about here? He's saying, look, disciples, you've been given a great privilege, a great honor. 
God has given you the ability to begin to see and understand truths of the kingdom of God that the rest of the world right now can't even comprehend. It's the same thing where if you read 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, look, the unspiritual person can't even discern the things of God. It takes a work of the spirit to open their eyes to all that God has. So Jesus is telling his guys here, look, the crowds, they don't get it. But you've been welcomed into a deeper truth for this time, for this season. All of that's gonna change in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes. And if you've read John 14, John 16, you hear Jesus begin to unpack all the benefits the Holy Spirit's gonna bring to this place that we, now this side of Pentecost, get to experience because the Holy Spirit indwells us the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Not so for these people. There is some hearing that they don't get. They can't see. They can't understand. And then again, it says this in verse 15. As for this good soil, who's this good soil? They are those that hearing the word of God, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Jesus has been unpacking this whole idea of be careful how you hear. We've got to hear truth. We've got to hear truth. That's why we have spent so much time and continue to encourage you guys. Man, get in the word. This this get in the word study we have. You can sign up for it on your app. You can hit a button and some guy with a really cool voice will read God's word to you just so you can hear it. But that we begin to fill our minds and our ears with the word of God, the truth of God's word because this culture and this world is all about One nugget of truth and then 45 minutes of everyone's opinion about said truth. And it gets real easy to get distracted and to get lost and to begin to follow a personality because you like their opinion, but we never look at it through the lens of what does God's word have to say? And are we filling our minds and our hearts with the word of God more than we are the opinions of others? Because when everything's all said and done and God comes back for us, There's one person sitting on that throne and it's God Almighty. You'd think we'd want to know what his word says and that should matter more than anything else. Do we hear truth? Are we allowing God's truth to penetrate even our ears and what we hear? And then we come to verse 18. You disciples, you've been given this great privilege, this great understanding. Look what he says, verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. No, rather, he puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Illustration being this, if if the power goes out in your house and you have a flashlight, you don't turn it on and then shove it under your pillow. You turn it on so that you can see what's going on around you. Jesus is saying, look, disciples, you've been given this great truth, this great understanding to hear and know the word of God. And so as it begins to, to change you from the inside, put it on display Let the world see that in you. That we might, Paul would say, shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation in Philippians, right? That that people would see something different in us. Put it on display. Verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. What's this talking about? Well, I think a lot of this is Jesus looking at his guys going, hey, right now it's a mystery to all of them, but that's not going to be forever. And right now, some of this might be a mystery to you, disciples, but that won't be forever. Do you remember his interaction with them in John 16 when he tells them, look, I'm going to be led astray. I'm going to be killed. You guys are going to be all alone. And they all panic. Wait, what? What are we going to do without you? 
No, 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 guys, it's better. If I go, then God's gonna send the helper, the Holy Spirit's gonna come, and he's gonna remind you of all things and bring to light all things and teach you all things. In fact, Jesus looks him in the eye and goes, I got a lot of things I wanna tell you, but you can't even understand them right now because you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. And yet once the Holy Spirit comes, once that Acts 2, day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit permeates this world and all of a sudden indwells each and every one of us as sons and daughters of God, our eyes are enlightened, to use Paul's words in Ephesians 1, and we can begin to understand and know the beauty of God's word and the truth and his love. And Maybe that's what Jesus is referencing here. Hey, one day it's gonna come where all these people that can only hear in parables, they're gonna be able to understand the deeper things of God, hear truth. Then verse 18 says this, take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, he will, it will be taken away. What's this talking about? Be careful how you hear. Hear the word of God, yes, but you also gotta know the word of God. You can't just hear it, you gotta know it. And we gotta pursue a constant pursuit of knowledge of God. Go back to verse 15, what does he say? That you would hear the word of God and you would hold fast to it. That you would cling to it. That you would, uh, that you would long for it. As Psalms would say, that you would, you would long for the word of God like a deer pants for water. That you would crave the word of God and you would meditate on it day and night. That you wouldn't just, wouldn't just be Sunday morning, entertain me, Kevin. Tell me a good story. Tell me what I should think. All right, what's the Cardinals score? But that we would hear the word of God and we begin to know it and go, okay, God, what is it you're saying to me? Hear it and know it. Be careful how you hear. Here's the warning, I think, for a lot of us, for those of us that have grown up in the church. We've accumulated a lot of stuff we've heard. And all the things that we hear, guess what? Now we know what is true, what is right, what has God called us to. All of that comes with accountability. All of that comes with accountability. The more we know, the more we understand, the more God's going, man, now you know what I'm calling you to be. We walk in that. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews chapter five. They have it up here on the screen. It says this in verse 11 about this. This, the, this is in reference to Melchizedek, which I can give you my whole take on that if you want it. I doubt that you do, but if you do, come find me. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain why, since you have become, here it is, dull of hearing. The author of Hebrews is going to kind of backhand these people a little bit. You become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you. And they need to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. You hear the insult coming from the author of Hebrews here to these people? Grow up. You guys should know, you should know deep things of God right now, but we are still drinking milk because you're children. Verse 14, but what is solid food? Solid food is for the mature. How do you know for mature? Look what it says. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What do the mature look like? They're the ones that I would say hold fast to the word of God with a good heart bearing with patience, all the things that Jesus talked about, that you would use your gift of discernment, the Holy Spirit in you, and you would constantly be saying, God, show me what you have for me. 
It's the, it's the psalm I've shared up here multiple times. God, would you search me and know me? Would you reveal anything in me that you need to make right? Constantly making that your prayer. This is a daily prayer for us. God, reveal to me what it is I need to see. And then he says what? Put into practice to do something. Constant practice, constantly being engaged, constantly saying, all right, God, there's more to do, there's more to do, there's more to do. If you ever get reached the point where you look around you and you are surrounded by people that you feel you are more spiritually mature than and all of a sudden you step out and go, I did it, God, here I am, you're welcome. Satan has already won. Instead of getting to a place where we feel like we have arrived, like we have figured it out, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and realize how far away from him we are and yet how loved we are by him and keep pursuing to grow in our knowledge of God. So look at your life. Are you hearing truth often? Are you growing in your knowledge of the Lord? But it doesn't just stop there. Look at verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers, they come to see him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Jesus is doing things and people are showing up. They want to hear him teach. They want to watch him heal people. I mean, he is drawing a crowd. And so here they are, whole crowds out there to meet him and, and Jesus' mom and brothers show up. Hey, Jesus, we want to see you. Verse 20, and so he was told, hey, Jesus, your mom and brothers are outside and they, they want to see you. But he answered them. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God. There it is again. And do it. Who are my mother and my brothers? Those that hear the word of God and do it. Now, real quick, before you read this and go, man, Jesus was kind of a jerk to his mom. You can read it that way, but he wasn't. Jesus loved his mom. Even at the point of death, one of the final statements he makes on the cross is to John, behold your mother, take care of my mom. Physically, take care of my mom. Jesus loved his mom. Maybe flip it and read it the other way. Instead of, instead of Jesus going, I, I, don't, I can't get to my mom and my brothers, it's this. Who are my mom and my brothers? It's anybody. Let me open up the family of God, not just to those who I have a familial connection with, but let me help you understand that my family is anyone that hears the word of God and does it, puts it into practice. That's why you hear us say a lot of things like, hey, we are, we are part of the Highlands family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. There is something that unites us together and it's not because of where we live or what we do. It's because of Jesus Christ and what we gain the moment we are adopted into God's family is we are part of something greater than ourselves. And the charge is not just to hear the word and know the word, but the last two words of this verse to me say, do it. Put it into practice. What will you have, sir? I will have an egg white omelet with a slice of tomato <laughs> because I know what I need to do and therefore I'm going to do it. But each and every day, at any given moment of the day, you got two things on your table. You got a stack of pancakes and bacon or you got the choice that you know you need to make. What are we gonna listen to? What decision are we gonna make? None of this has to do with your salvation. That is absolutely secure because of Jesus Christ. But there's a charge here in this, to be a, a seed that produces fruit, to be a seed that actually has an impact for the kingdom. Do we know the word? Have we heard it? Do we know it? Are we living it? Look at what Peter says in 2 Peter. It's not on the screen. Uh, this just came to me, and I, I forgot to give them to him. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 
Listen to what Peter would say. I'm going to read this list to you. And then listen to the very last two sections that he says here. He says this in verse 5, 2 Peter 1, 5. If you're taking notes, write it down. Take a look at it this week. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. Again, hear the word, know the word. And knowledge with self-control. Self-control to me is putting what you know into action, into practice. Self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Verse eight, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if you're growing in these qualities, if these things that you know, steadfast, love, care, brotherly affection, virtue, if you're growing in those things, what does he say? Keep increasing in those, what will it produce? It will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Implication, we're either going to be effective and fruitful in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ or we're going to be ineffective and unfruitful depending on what we hear, what we know, and what we're putting into practice. There's a charge from Peter, from Jesus, from Hebrews, from John, to not just hear truth and know truth, but to do it, to live it, to show the world something different. And by doing that, you are not earning your way to the Father. Now, God's not up there going, okay, four more things, and then you get to move to level four. No, you are part of God's family because of Jesus Christ, period. But now we've been given this beautiful gift, this beautiful privilege, this beautiful opportunity, as Paul would say, to be ambassadors for Christ, to maybe, as Jesus just said, to put our lamp on display for the world to see something different. And that comes through being obedient to what we know to be true in God's word. Now we become effective. Now we become fruitful, not because we're willing it to be, but because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. Hear truth, know truth, obey truth. Now we're going to end with this next little section here in verse 22. After all of that, after all the charge to his disciples, they hop in a boat. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, hey, let's go across the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A couple of things here. One, this, this, is, this is Luke's tip of the cap to Jesus' absolute humanity. He's going to say it a lot. He was hungry. He slept. He's tired. Read through the Gospels. You know where Jesus is? He's doing ministry a lot, meeting with people. The disciples will go off and do something, and Jesus goes and finds a lady at the well and goes, well, here she is. Let me love her. Always investing in people. The rest of the guys are waking up around the campfire. Hey, where's Jesus? It's early. Oh, he's up on the mountain praying. He's been up there for the last three hours. Jesus was always doing stuff. He gets tired. So you can just picture it. Here he is with his guys. Guys, let's go across the lake. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a quick nap. Can you guys at least get us across the lake? You're fishermen. You can handle that, right? Give me a few minutes. He begins to sleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and they woke him up and they said, Master, Master, we are perishing. This is not, uh, you know, me and you out on the lake, and I've been on a lake for maybe five minutes in my life. These are fishermen. They've spent their life on the water. 
They could read the clouds and know this one's going to blow over real soon. They know how to drive their boat into the waves so that it doesn't capsize. They know what they're doing, and it's such a big storm. They're freaking out. So they wake him up. We're perishing. What does he do? Jesus hops up. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Again, we talked about this word rebuked. You're going to hear it again, certainly as he interacts with some of the demoniacs and other things and the illnesses. Rebuked is a strong word, a strong command. Waves crashing, wind blowing, and Jesus just gets up and goes, hey, that's enough. Calm. Total calm. No more wind. No more waves. And these disciples, they celebrate with great joy. No, they are terrified. Same way you and I would be. If we saw something happen that we could not explain away, couldn't fathom, couldn't comprehend, wait a minute, something just happened that doesn't make any natural or logical sense, I am now terrified. He calms everything and he looks at them and he says this, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled and they said to one another, who then is this? That he commands even wind and water and they obey him? Perhaps a tie into what Luke just talked about. If the wind and the water obey the Lord, maybe his kids should obey him too because he's got some authority there, maybe. But let's go back and unpack these two questions. One from Jesus and one from his disciples. And if you're in this room and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior, you are a son or daughter of God, let me ask these questions in this way. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Not salvific faith. I know where that lies. You're a child of God. But when life is awesome and everything's going the way you want it to go, you got more money than you need, you got better health than you want, your kids all love you, they, they, I mean, everything is awesome. Where's your faith in those moments? Because sometimes, certainly if you read your history of Israel, it's in those moments of great prosperity, of God's great favor, that sometimes our faith can go, God, thanks so much, I've got it from here, and we can put our faith and our comfort and our circumstances and all the things that are going well. And let me warn you, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith, and answer that question often. Where is my faith? My faith is in Christ alone. Dark side of that coin, when life isn't good, when the doctor's report isn't positive, when your relationship with your spouse isn't all that you want it to be, when your kids have forgotten you, when you don't have the courage to open the bill you know you can't pay, when life is hard, where's your faith in those moments? See, our faith, this is the beauty of our faith in Jesus Christ, is it can be unwavering regardless of circumstance. But if our faith in Jesus and our trust in Christ is dependent upon our life circumstance, we are walking a very dangerous road. One where Satan just tosses us back and forth. You want to stand on solid ground? Keep your eyes fixed on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and let your faith always be there. And that really comes to the second question. When I ask you, who is Jesus? Who then is this Jesus Christ to you? Man, our hope and prayer as a church constantly and what we are, we are 
striving for as pastors is that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and the one that you would say, man, I am all in on Jesus. Not just for an hour and 10 minutes on a Sunday morning and as soon as we're out of here, I'm off to the Cardinal game and getting lost in chicken wings, but know that you, you are a Lord and Savior Jesus Christ always. And that Thursday, Monday, Sunday morning, it's all the same. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I see it as an opportunity to brag on Jesus. And any opportunity presented, I get for a way to go, man, can I tell you about who my Lord and Savior is? Who then is this to you? Who is Jesus to you? And we're whoever he is. If he's, a, if he's a neat guy that brings you some comfort on a Sunday morning and that's all he is, can you just call it what it is? So that you can go, all right, God, this is where I'm at. I like you when you're convenient, but when I gotta do hard stuff, that's a challenge for me. Great, identify where you are. Now we at least know, and now we know what steps we need to take moving forward. Who then is Jesus to you? Last thing, if you're here today and you don't know anything about Jesus Christ, if you know nothing of Christ, you don't even know why you're here today. Let me tell you why you're here today. You're here today because God loves you. Because God's gonna keep chasing after you. Until you breathe your last breath or he comes back, he's not gonna stop pursuing you. And the big thing he wants you to figure out is to answer these two questions. Where does your faith lie? For many of the people sitting around you, for many of the people that are part of the family of God, their faith lies here. They believe this, that Jesus Christ was God on earth, that he came down here, he lived a perfect life, the life that we are reading and studying about in the Gospel of Luke. And at the end of his life, he found himself in a garden crying out to God, his father, saying, God, if there's another way, let's do that. And God said, there's not. Someone's got to die for the sins of humanity. Because you and I, we aren't perfect. You heard my man Henry say it. He's not perfect either. People sitting next to you, they're not perfect either. We all got our stuff. The Bible calls it sin. Sin that had to be paid for with death. And it's either going to be yours or Jesus. Your death or his death. What determines that is how you answer this question. Where does your faith lie? If you want to try and earn your way there, it's a fool's errand. If you can humble yourself enough to say, God, I'm not perfect and I'm tired of trying to be, you're going to find a loving father that reaches down and goes, finally, I'm so glad you came to that reality. Let me scoop you up. Let me welcome you into my family. Will you experience all the forgiveness and joy and grace that I have to offer through my son, Jesus Christ? Where does your faith lie? Really, it all comes down to what do you do with Jesus? Who then is Jesus to you? Who then is Jesus to you? That's why we've got a table back here all lit up. Follow Jesus. That's why we have people up in front of service every week that just want to talk to you. That's why we have small groups and men's groups and women's groups and all sorts of things happening here, all to help answer that question, who then is Jesus to you? Because the moment you find Jesus Christ, everything is not rainbows and unicorns. All your problems don't go away. No, they come with you. But instead of standing there alone trying to make sense of it on your own, all of a sudden you have the God of the universe right there with you to love you, to support you, to encourage you. And you have hope that no matter how hard it gets now, now is not forever. Eternity is waiting. That's what we get in Jesus Christ. That's what the people around you, the part of the family of God have when they've answered that question, who is Jesus? He's my Lord and Savior. He is where my faith lies. 
So wrestle with that question. Where is your faith? Who then is Jesus to you? Last thing, and then I'm gonna pray as we have the worship team come out here. We started this by asking you guys to wrestle with and think with, all right, is there anything God's asking you to lay down? Just to say, all right, God, again, just like me, sir, what will you have? I know what I should order. I know. It's not a lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's a lack of following through on what I know to be true. Can you be honest before the Lord? And whatever God brings to mind, whatever he brings to heart in this moment, might you have the courage to say, all right, God, that's what you're putting on my heart. Would you help me walk in that? For some of you, it's a, it's a confession of sin. God, I know I need to stop doing. Or I know I need to start doing. I told you some of mine even before a little bit. Mine is, I, I've got bad theology a lot in my understanding of who I am to God. I listen to the lies of the enemy often. And God is just keep pressing on my heart. Gavin, when are you going to believe that you are who I say you are and not let the rest of the world and the opinions of others control your emotions and your mind as much as they do? I need to, I need to put that to death. I want your approval. And if I'm honest, sometimes I want your approval more than I want God's. And that is a terrible place to live. That is something I need to let go of. But as try as I might, I can't do that. I need the Holy Spirit to continue to work on my heart and to bring to remembrance his promises and his truth. That's what it is for me. I don't know what it is for you. So we're gonna do something. Be uncomfortable for some of you. For some of you, it'll, it'll be the greatest 30 seconds of your day. We're just gonna sit in silence with our head bowed and our eyes closed. And we're gonna let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Don't go check in your fantasy football score. Just sit for 30 seconds and say, God, what is it? Is there anything in me as your son or as your daughter that you want me to, to take a step towards? Not just hearing and knowing, but doing. And will we have the courage to ask God to begin to work that out in our life? So we're gonna take 30 seconds right now, then I'm gonna pray and we'll close out our time in worship. God, I don't know what's stirring in the hearts of my brothers and sisters here. You certainly know what's going on in my heart, and you know theirs as well. I pray whatever you have, have brought up, whatever you have caused to bring remembrance to in each and every one of us here, God, would you give us the courage to deal with it, to lay it down at the feet of your cross, to hand it over to you. God, whatever posture we need to take, would you let us do it? God, don't just let us hear and know. God, let us take that hard and beautiful step of doing. But God, let us do it as a, as a surrender to you, as a surrender to your Holy Spirit at work in our life so that you would get all the glory. God, move in us now. And as we continue to sing and worship to you, pray that we would worship you unencumbered, God, unburdened by whatever it is that you've taken from us. And God, let us just revel in all that it means to be your sons and your daughters. God, let us feel your grace and your love in a way like never before. So God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.